from uh, about 15 years on up, uh, a great deal of my thoughts were uh, basically unshareable. We are all evil in some form or another. Yes, I am not 100%, but I am evil. My mother was a, a sick, angry, hungry, and very sad woman. I hated her, but I wanted to love my mother. This is Serial Killing, a podcast. Hello again, and welcome to Serial Killing, a podcast, where we sometimes veer off the serial killer path to delve into other topics within our beloved true crime community. Special thanks to my patrons who voted for this episode, so thank you so much. You are truly appreciated. And for anyone else, please feel free to join my patrons so that you can vote on who will be covered next or get early access to the podcasts. Like, share, and subscribe. It might just help our little community grow. Even if you contributed just one buck a month, it would help me reach my goal of being able to bring you more content with more visuals and perhaps interviews and so on. So keep that in mind. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Today's podcast was again voted for by patrons and will be on something kind of new, but I think equally interesting with what we normally talk about. Let's look at mental illness and disturbing art. And the artist the patrons voted for was Jajishla Bachinsky. And because of the visual aspect that goes with this topic, I hope you enjoy the video version of this podcast. So here we go. Jajishla Bachinsky was born on February 24, 1929 in Sanok, Poland. Now, Poland in particular holds a very special place in my heart, so I looked that town up, and it's not a hugely sizable city currently, just over 36,000 people, so it isn't a stretch to think that it was perhaps a mite smaller back in 1929. It is located in the sub-Carpathian voivodeship of southeastern Poland. It is an absolutely beautiful city that looks nearly exactly as one would expect, There are a lot of varying colors, and the architecture is amazing. There are smaller outlying areas with very small huts with thatched roofs even today, and they are nestled near, again, the Carpathian Mountains. I mean, talk about perfection. But at the time that he was born, Sanok was still trying to get over being invaded by the Russian army during World War I, and it was said that when they left the locals were met with significant damage to repair. But that wasn't anything particularly new, as it would seem that area had to handle war on some level somewhat regularly. And then, the year Bachinsky was born, the world as a whole began suffering through the Great Depression. The lower class people were hit the hardest, losing as much as 50% of their regular income. 
As the Great Depression worsened in the 1930s, anti-Semitism began to rise, even though Poland was home to over 3 million Jews, or about 10% of Poland's population at that time, the largest Jewish population in Europe. So 7 out of 10 of the people worked on farms as peasants. As for the rest of the world in 1929, well, we know that Wall Street crashed in the U.S., thus starting the Great Depression, of course. The Museum of Modern Art opened in New York this year. It was originally located in the Heckscher Building on Fifth Avenue and only had six rooms. The Vatican gained its independence from Italy this year. Canada signed an agreement with the U.S. over the protection of Niagara Falls, and then the first phone booths begin to appear in London. A Swiss engineer began manufacturing the first gasoline-powered chainsaw, which he soon began exporting around the world. And in case you might recognize the name brand, this man's name was Andreas Still. Edwin Hubble continued to publish much of the foundations for understanding our galaxies and much of the theory that modern astronomy is based on. And then some other notable people born in 1929 are Grace Kelly, Jackie Kennedy, Audrey Hepburn, and Anne Frank, just to sprinkle in a little extra context. So the Baczynski family was associated with Sanok for five generations. His great-grandfather arrived in the city in the 1840s and set up a boiler work business. His grandfather was a city architect and designed quite a few buildings along with the layout of the city. Now, his father did very well in business as well, so we do know that Jajislaw grew up in a little bit of privilege. But when Bachinsky was just 10 years old, he and everyone else in Sanuk were forced to just stand there and watch as the Nazis marched straight through town. They burned down the Jewish synagogues and libraries and would eventually even build a concentration camp just outside of town. The, quote, undesirables in the city were executed rather swiftly. Without getting into it too deeply, you get the idea that he was witness to some very horrific displays of the most evil humans can do. The very peak of the macabre, and yet he watched it all unfold as he grew from a child into a teenager. Now, he had been his parents' only child, and it was said that he was forced to get an education by working in a trade school while also studying in a secret underground Polish resistance group. And at first, he stated that he wanted to follow in his grandfather's footsteps, but he really actually wanted to go to film school and become a director. His father wouldn't hear of that. So he decided to continue his education at the architecture department of Krakow University of Technology. And so that was his childhood. So let's dig in. And really sincerely, there's no need to delicately dance around the glaring issue here, right? A childhood witnessing World War II and the long-term effects of witnessing such horrific deaths and destruction 
While there is a growing body of research on the relationship between early childhood experiences and the development of mental health ailments later in life, there are very few studies considering exposure to warfare as an adverse experience. But what we do know is that exposure to warfare within the very initial years of life increases the likelihood that a person will suffer from poor mental health much later in life. An article written for the Journal of Psychology and Clinical Psychiatry titled Trauma Studies of Children Post-World War II said, quote, Psychological symptoms included general nervousness, trembling, crying, and aggressive behavior. Likewise, psychosomatic symptoms were headaches, anorexia, indigestion, enuresis, and soiling or having number one Zs and number two Zs in thy pants. Now, she reported about 170 senior school children, so ages 11 to 14, suffered from psychosomatic disorders, which was more common in older children than younger ones. And we already know that he was 10 years old when the Nazis first invaded his hometown and 16 when the war was over. But the most common long-term effects of children witnessing war or extremely traumatic occurrences is post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, and anxiety, though later health complications also come into play. And Jajishla did suffer with somewhat debilitating anxiety, but, but more on that in a minute. But let's get back into the story. So... After completing college, he was obligated to take up a mandatory job assignment, which was required by the orders of the socialist government. He worked for several years as the supervision inspector of local construction, living in Krakow and Zizhuf. At this time, he met and married Zofia. His life was going along as he had been told that it should be. He was told he should be happy and content with his life. But he had always been very passionate about varying kinds of art, and his desire to create was increasing. He loved photography, movies, drawing, and painting, and his current employment felt like it was sucking the life out of him. Hashtag relatable. And he later said, quote, I hated architecture so much that architecture is a plan, a project, and as boring as a mechanical saw execution, end quote. So he and Zofia packed up and moved back to Senuk in 1955. He was now at this point 26 years old. Now, he was never formally trained as an artist of any medium ever, But he began his creative journey with sculpting at first. He began working for the public bus system, designing buses of all things. And during this time, he decided to paint and began gathering brushes and paints. You must understand, he was not rich in and of himself. He also began drawing, and his paintings and sculptures were beginning to get noticed. Baczynski took up photography and... In 1957, he set up an informal group of other art photographers, putting together expositions that were soon held in various galleries in Poland. 
Now, for those who are just listening to the podcast, his photography, if I had to choose one word, would be unsettling, texture, weathering and aging, wrinkling, often figures bound. Some of his photographs of shattered mirrors make the figures posing in front of them so fragmented. It's quite impressive and visual, and I highly recommend you have a look. But for those watching, I'm sure you are agreeing with me. I was so happy to have found out about this artist. I mean, really magnificent stuff. His first paintings also evoke a moment of uneasiness. Again, he is able to paint in a lot of texture, fit in a lot of texture, and some of his drawings were quite controversial, and especially so for that time. In 1958, he became a member of the Association of Polish Art Photographers, and also in this same year, he became a father. Thomas would be his only child. In 1959, he and two of his friends exhibited for the first time abroad at the prestigious gallery in Cologne, Germany. And yet, that same year, he stopped working as an art photographer. In 1960, he, rather controversially, of course, rejected the Guggenheim Museum Scholarship in New York. And believe me, this was a shock to many. But he later said, quote, I refuse to travel because, like every Pole, he wants to travel and to have a car and thinks that everyone must have the same. And I just want to tinker. And I have a eudaimonistic point of view. End quote, which means he believed in the theory that the highest ethical goal is happiness and personal well-being. But he added, quote, my life is dominated by a neurotic diarrhea, and that's it. Hence my reluctance to travel, and it remains indifferent whether the journey concerns deportation to Siberia or yacht trips around the world. Everything that separates me from the base, which was his house or apartment, exposes me to a specific conditioned nervous tension, end quote. You see, Jajishla had suffered from anxiety from his youth, and it's really no wonder why. Due to this and his behaviors, he had to display or perform in order to feel like he had some control over his anxiety, he developed OCD, or Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. And this can be quite debilitating. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, quote, Obsessive Compulsive Disorder, OCD, is a long-lasting disorder in which a person experiences uncontrollable and recurring thoughts or obsessions, engages in repetitive behaviors or compulsions, or both. People with OCD have time-consuming symptoms that can cause significant distress or interfere with daily life. OCD symptoms may begin any time, but usually start between late childhood and young adulthood. Most people with OCD are diagnosed as young adults. The symptoms of OCD may start slowly and can go away for a while or worsen as time passes. During times of stress, the symptoms often get worse. A person's obsessions and compulsions also may change over time. People with OCD might avoid situations that trigger their symptoms, which is exactly 
what he was doing by saying he did not want to go to New York. He just couldn't. Now, between the years of 1963 to 1965, Baczynski wrote short stories. However, he was not satisfied with the results and decided to seal them away, choosing to hone his skills in painting instead. For half a century, they remained a secret to everyone except the artist's close friends and family. But again, we'll touch on that a bit later. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. An exhibition that had been organized in 1964 in the old Orange House Gallery in Warsaw brought him his first financial success. He sold all of his exhibits, all of them. He gave up working at Autosan, which was the bus place, and devoted all of his time to art. And wouldn't that be fantastic, guys, right? His drawings at this point began to take on a certain level of sexualization, or at least that's what I see. But the paintings he would go on to do, guys, they are indescribable. The longer you look at them, the more you notice, and it builds and it builds until, you know, they are invoking an emotional response. And again, zero formal art training at all. And he was quite passionate about his work and listened to loud classical music and headphones while he painted. Later in his life, he enjoyed heavy rock music as well. I mean, this man is after my own heart. He very quickly rose to the upper echelon of the contemporary Polish art scene. But it was in the later 60s that he began his, quote, fantastic period, as he called it, his best known period, during which he created disturbing images, showing a gloomy, surrealistic environment with detailed scenes of death and decay, landscapes filled with skeletons, deformed figures, and deserts. These detailed works were painted with his trademark precision, his unique attention to detail. At the time, Baczynski claimed, quote, I wish to paint in such a manner as if I were photographing dreams. And I think that's beautiful. I have left a link to a site that displays most all of his art, all over seven hundred pieces and I highly highly recommend you open them and just really look at all of the details and the stories he tells through the brushstrokes. He was obsessed with eastern mysticism and his work is heavily influenced by it and full of symbols, mystery, and catastrophic atmosphere. Though he was quite adamant that his work was not sort of illustrations of his life during the war, he actually described his art as optimistic and even comical. Hard to believe, but looking at the pieces, at least to me, they tell a wholly other story. But he was not at all interested in the various interpretations that people made about his art. He left them untitled on purpose. And though his art does have a very real grim, dark aspect to it, 
He himself was described as a pretty pleasant man with a great sense of humor, but he was most definitely shy. He avoided his own exhibits due to his anxiety, nor did he visit other museums and so on. He was modest and humble about his success. He would say that music was his greatest inspiration. He said, quote, I just want to paint what comes to mind. Awesome. So in 1977, the now 48-year-old Baczynski moved from Sanuk to Warsaw and into a third-floor apartment in an industrial district. When he left Sanuk, he made a big bonfire in his garden and unfortunately burned all of the work he didn't want to take to Warsaw with him, which is just really a shame. He acquired a four-room apartment in Warsaw, and he and his wife looked after their elderly mothers. At this point, his son Thomas was 19 years old and beginning his own life. Actually, Thomas would later become a well-known Polish journalist. He also worked as a radio music presenter and a translator of English-language film scripts, which is most impressive. Now, kind of circling back to him saying his paintings had no significant meaning. It also has been noted his very deliberate use of a specific blue color called Prussian blue. Okay, so, but what's the significance? Well, the color is named after the chemical used to create the pigment called prussic acid, also known as hydrogen cyanide, the very acid that was used in World War II to create a poison known as Cyclone B, which was used in the gas chambers at many concentration camps and thus staining the walls with that familiar Prussian blue color. Coincidence? Hmm. Well, maybe he wasn't aware of that connection, right? Another stunning and thought-provoking painting where he used that very Prussian blue color on a robe of a body with no face. It is looking inside of what appears to be an empty cradle with a crucifix shadowed on it. A wall in the background appears to be a possibly crucified figure, and in the top left is a Latin phrase that translates to, In this sign thou shalt conquer. I mean, that sounds fine, right? Uh, except that very line was used in a book written in 1960 by author George Lincoln Rockwell, who happened to be the founder of the, guess what, American Nazi Party. So again, while he said there was no specific meaning behind his work, it is rather hard to believe that there is no correlation in him painting that statement into such a moving piece. Now, according to the Bachinsky Gallery website, quote, In 1984, he established contact with Pyotr Dmuchowski, hope I pronounced that correctly, a Parisian art dealer who tried for many years to promote Bachinsky's work in France and Germany. Bachinsky himself had no part in this and was absolutely indifferent to having his work advertised. The Sanic Historical Museum embarked on a systematic publicly campaigning for his work, especially after 1990, arranging over 40 exhibitions in various Polish cities. 
His first permanent gallery was set up in the newly renovated rooms of Sanuk Castle and initially exhibited about 100 pieces of his work. By late 1994, Bachinsky was becoming more and more fed up with this contract work. Continual misunderstandings were making him tense and feeling guilty, unable to cope with a situation in which he was partly dependent on another person. You know, he needed that paycheck. So he wanted to be free, even at the cost of financial problems. The decision to break off the contract was a learning curve for him. On November 16th, he finally wrote a letter to his employer ending that contract. He did not want and was not able to organize his exhibitions and delegated all of his business to the director of the Sanic Historical Museum. He never turned up at official events and took no part in artistic affairs or political life. In November of 1995, the now 66-year-old artist was dealt a heavy blow. His beloved wife, often his very muse, was diagnosed with an aortic aneurysm, which is an enlargement of the aorta over one and a half times its normal size. He knew his wife's life was going to be cut very short, and this truly broke his heart. It was also during this time that he began to get interested in computers. And like many of us that were old enough to be at least consciously aware of the beginnings of the Internet, Bachinsky was also absolutely fascinated with the Internet and his artistic interests, tended to lean more towards digital photography and photo editing as he aged, but he still painted. And his art did decidedly become more, I don't know, geometric, sort of line of sight, more muted colors, but still deeply textural and moving. It's almost like you could reach out and feel the little bumps and ridges. And then in 1998, his wife died, and he was completely devastated. And then, as if that were not bad enough, one year later, Bachinsky would find his own son deceased. He had ended his own life by purposefully overdosing on pills. Shortly before Thomas's death, he wrote a feature about modern culture in which he unambiguously forewarned about his intention— and it was said that he had a history of suicidal ideation and more than one attempt. And at that point, Bachinsky was utterly alone, the love of his life and his only child, both gone. After that, he kind of just got lost in his art, mostly painting and computer art. In 2001, the now 72-year-old artist drew up his last will and testament, he had decided that the historical museum in Senec would be his sole beneficiary. He made several visits to his hometown to settle the renovation of the family tomb and for promotion events held in Senec Castle of albums of his work published by Polish publishing house BOSZ. And that, I imagine that he hated leaving his apartment truly, especially if he was kind of sounds a little agoraphobic. But he kept truly returning to Sanuk, pinning his hopes on this city for safeguarding his work. 
And then in February of 2005, Bachinsky's longtime caretaker's teenaged son came and asked Bachinsky if he would loan him some money, which was the equivalent of around $100 in U.S. currency. Bachinsky declined to loan the older teen the money. Now, I wasn't immediately able to find out the time span, so to speak, but on February 5th, Bachinsky was found in his apartment, dead from 17 stab wounds to his body. Two of them were determined to be fatal. The caretaker's son and another accomplice would later face trial and go to prison for Bachinsky's horrific murder. So, he was born into an already somewhat war-torn country. He witnessed the very depths of human depravity in his youth during World War II. He came into his adolescence with terrible anxiety to the point that he developed obsessive-compulsive disorder in an attempt to control his environment to lessen his anxiety symptoms. He was nearly completely unable to travel. And then for his life to end so violently and really unnecessarily, again, he received no formal art education, and yet he created, at least to me, in my own personal opinion, some of the most emotional, dark, heavy, disturbing art that rivals others in his genre. Now, about the writing that he did back in the day, in 2015, 10 years after his brutal death, a collection of his short stories were published, and despite their unfinished and rather chaotic nature, his literary works are considered an interesting look into his past, reminiscent of his later dreamlike paintings. The stories vary from the abstract Oranist tales of philosophical self-reflections to metaphorical post-apocalyptic fiction and crime thriller stories, which are, again, some of my favorite. Bachinsky's literary period is described as, quote, short and intensive. He apparently wrote 40, 40 short stories in fewer than two years, experimenting with form and narrative, and that, my friends, is impressive. Again, citing from the Bachinsky Gallery website, quote, Despite his passing, Bachinsky's art lives on and is adored by art lovers all over the world. Countless artists have been inspired by Bachinsky, and his influences are often present in contemporary films, music, especially rock music, and video games. One of his admirers is the famous Mexican film director and Oscar winner for Best Picture in 2017, Guillermo del Toro. Del Toro has been quoted as saying, quote, In the medieval tradition, Bachinsky seems to believe art to be a forewarning about the fragility of the flesh, whatever pleasures we know are doomed to perish. Thus, his paintings manage to evoke a once the process of decay and the ongoing struggle for life. They hold within them a secret poetry stained with blood and rust. End quote. And well, Guillermo, I completely agree wholeheartedly. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, for those that, again, just listened to the podcast with no visual, if you are interested, I have left that link to his work in the notes of the show. If you love darker art, you will love his work, I promise. There are a handful of drawings in there, a couple of paintings that are pretty rated R. So if you, you might not open that link with your children all around you, but still, give it a look. Open them, zoom in, I mean, really look. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. I know it's a little different for me, but again, this artist survived World War II in Poland and was brutally murdered. So there is still the true crime aspect to the story. But tell me, did you enjoy this? Are there others you'd like me to cover? I actually have a list of artists, some that had schizophrenia and so on. But, you know, if this wasn't your jam, that's fine too. Either way, just let me know. You can DM me on Instagram at serial underscore killing, or you can join the serial killing, uh, a podcast fan page on Facebook that a listener so graciously created for me. Thank you so much for that. Um, I'm active on both Instagram and the Facebook page quite a bit. And as always, guys, thank you so much for listening because I know you could be listening to anyone else and yet you chose me and I really appreciate that. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day. Uh, anybody who killed more than two or three people was a mass murderer. And whether it was all at one place or over an extended period of time, and then uh, in the early 80s, they came up with this differentiation called serial killing.